Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. I am Jason Kong and he is Bill Alexander. Good morning to you, Bill. How are you? Good morning, Jason. Hope you're doing great. I'm doing just fine. And Bill, we've uh, the past couple of Saturdays we've been talking a lot about the the new tax code and there's plenty of changes and plenty well, of new things in there. We've been on a weather roller coaster, that's for sure. We certainly have. <laughs> You know, some folks had a foot of snow, and then a few days later, it was 60 degrees plus. So The lesson is don't complain, because about three days later, you'll you'll get whatever you wanted. If, uh, if you're not happy with the cold, way, it'll, it? It it'll flip around. Way. Yep. Uh, well, I, I want to thank a listener. I had um, uh, a fellow who is a CPA uh, give me a, a call. Uh, to, to basically point me uh, to uh, something in the tax code that's important, you know, because I was talking last week about the fact that uh, we're losing all of our personal exemptions with this new law. And what my purpose is trying to um, digest this new tax law and and tell folks the things that I think they need to watch out for. You know, there are some a lot of good things in this uh, uh, new tax law for folks, um, at least temporarily. Uh, <laughs> and and but there's a lot of good in it. And and but there, I mean, as far as policy is, we have what we have. So it's a matter of okay, how do we take what they gave us and use it to our advantage, or at least understand what's going to happen because. Frankly, everybody's uh, uh, the the way taxes are computed uh, is changing this year, uh, and so um, most of us will be winners. There will be very few losers under under this um, new tax code in terms of how much tax we pay. But there are some areas where people need to be watchful. So anyway, I was very appreciative of, of the call. Uh, because what it was saying is, don't you know? Even though yes, we are losing our exemptions, uh, don't forget about the fact that Congress gave us an increased child tax credit, and that's exactly right. Uh, and so uh, now, for folks, a lot of folks in the past have not been able to use the tax credit because it phases. In the past, it has phased out. Uh, very early. So a lot of uh, modest income earners didn't actually get to use the the child tax credit. Well, under the new tax act, uh, the the child tax credit doubles from $1,000 to $2,000 per child, which is pretty nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it doesn't phase out until a married couple exceeds $400,000. So guess what? Almost all of us who have children who are under 18, that's the other thing. So older children, uh, you're basically going to get hit because you don't get the the, um, tax credit. But for those with younger children, um, those folks, uh, they'll see, for the most part, a wash in in their taxes in terms of how much they they pay because they're losing the exemptions, but they're, they're gaining... Uh, the the tax credits. So, number one, I want to thank my uh, listener for calling and pointing that to me because it's something uh, that I should have pointed out too. I mean, I it's um, um, because it does offset uh, 
the, the tax liability uh, as it relates to uh, folks with children, for younger children, for, for sure. And it also, abs- for the, those folks who are uh, in, the, in the lowest tax bracket, uh, it actually even increases the amount of refund that the credit allows. In other words, for those folks um, at the lowest uh, scale, actually take money home because of the tax credit, and that was increased by Congress as well. So there, you know, all of us are still trying to get, wrap our arms around uh, the, the new tax code. Uh, and there are a few other things I wanted to point out. Uh, pr- probably, at least in my opinion, uh, which doesn't uh, count for a whole lot, but, <laughs> but uh, one of the best things about uh, the new tax code, uh, because I like to look at the positive and negative, uh, one of the nicest things that it does uh, for the next eight years is assuming that Congress doesn't mess with it again, which you know they will. But at least uh, what what they've done is they've pretty much done away with the marriage penalty. Um, okay, so what is that? <laughs> yes, that was the next question. <laughs> well, it's sort of like this. Um, uh, the, the old tax code was pretty much based on uh, uh, families, the Ozzie and Harriet families. In other mm-hmm. words, breadwinner, housewife, children. Okay. Um, and so, in essence, the old tax code, that and, and the, the tax code of 2017, basically benefited families like that. Because in essence, because there were two people and and one person bringing in most of the money for the family, it in essence reduced the tax liability that they would pay on the high wage earner. But today, modern families, for the most part, are not that way. I mean, there are those, but those families are the exceptions to the rules. Most young families have two wage earners, mm-hmm. and oftentimes uh, they're earnings are, are very similar. Uh, and uh, families like that have, have paid extra taxes. In other words, that's the marriage penalty because if you have two wage earners uh, in a family, uh, particularly when their incomes are, are similar, uh, they, pay, they have had to pay far more tax than two uh, individuals paying separately. In other words, if they were single. And of course, the old tax code gave a marriage penalty, again, for anyone who was married who wanted to file separately. In other words, they did not want to file a joint tax return. Their uh, tax rates were higher, much higher, than an individual who's unmarried. And that wasn't fair at all. No. So, again, that's the tax penalty. Well, under the new tax code that, that this year, 2018, um, uh, the majority of folks, if if they wanted to file separately and not jointly, um, they would not pay any more in tax. It would it actually so in essence, this new tax code has done away with the marriage tax penalty, and I think that's good public policy. I'm delighted to see that, and it's been way too long where people have been penalized because they have two wage earners in the family. Um, and so this is, this is a good thing that's, that's happening. 
Uh, so there are a number of other things that I could keep talking about as it relates uh, to the, the new tax code. Uh, obviously, the, the biggest winners uh, are the big corporations, uh, what uh, we call C-corporations, those who file a regular corporation-type tax return. Um, those folks uh, most uh, seek – now, what we've had in the past for corporations are graduated income tax, just like what we have seen in individuals. Not exactly the same, but it was graduated. So corporations that made more money paid more tax. And most uh, successful corporations paid taxes in the 35% range. Some could actually pay 38%, but 35% for most uh, corporations. And what, uh, what they've done is they've reduced that uh, tax rate, made a flat corporate tax of 21%. One tax rate for corporations, 21%. That's it. So most uh, corporations are seeing a reduction in their taxes from 35% to 21%. That, of course, is huge. Well, there's another biggie for corporations, another blessing, if you will, for them. And that is is that uh, Congress permanently deleted the alternative minimum tax for corporations. So again, that lowers the tax rates even uh, to a greater degree, uh, particularly for any successful corporation. Now, those corporations, you know, people say, well, there's a double tax on corporations because, you know, if a corporation declares a dividend, then uh, the person receiving the dividend has to pay tax on that dividend. So the corporation pays tax on their profits. They make a distribution. Of course, distributions are a reduction from income, so they're not paying income tax really on what they distribute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but at the, at, at the uh, same time, there's a double tax because the receiver of the dividend does pay uh, the tax um, – Again, but it's at a lower rate than ordinary income tax, so not so bad. So anyway, so bottom line, there are some small businesses that need to at least do the assessment as to whether to change from a pass-through type organization where the, in essence, the profits pass through. There's no tax paid by the business, but it flows through to the owners of the of the company. There are some companies, um, depending on their circumstances, that may want to actually shift uh, into a C corporation, and and that would um, uh, that might be a company that wants to reinvest its earnings uh, to grow, mm-hmm. as opposed to distributing it out to themselves. And there are a lot of small businesses that are in a growth mode. And under the new tax code, uh, C corporations uh, are actually much less expensive, um, it, particularly if it's a very profitable company. Now, for all of the rest of the businesses out there, uh, there's also a benefit depending on whether you're a big wage earner or not, or whether you make a lot of money or not. And the real cutoff it, it is real clear that. Congress was trying to benefit those with incomes of less than 315000 In other words, for those with less money than three fifteen, 
it's like we consider you guys middle class. If it's more than 315, then you can pay more. Um, and so there's uh, bottom line is, is that for under $315,000, um, then you're at the 24% bracket, which is nice. But for a business, um, 20% of your profits are not taxed. Uh, if all of your income is under $315,000. Now, that's a little bit tricky. And so uh, this is where people have got to get their heads wrapped around how this thing works because it's, uh, at least as I understand it, it's not 20% of the, um, it's 20% of the business profits if your income from all sources, not just your business income, is under $315,000. So it's a little tricky in terms of how that works, and it'll probably take a CPA to explain it to folks in terms of when they see how it works. And this, again, I would would tell folks that um, unless you have a really simple uh, income tax structure, it would be really helpful to see a CPA in May after they get through with <laughs> this tax season um, to, to see if they how the new tax code will actually affect um, them personally because uh, it's not going to be the same. That's, that's the message that folks really need to, to get. Um, now, Truthfully, all businesses are going to be in better shape tax-wise. There's, uh, there's nobody that, that's going to end up, at least from what I can see, in, in a worse situation as a business. Um, and that's uh, fairly true, not exactly true for individuals, at least for the next eight years. Um, but some folks will, in fact, be affected negatively uh, and it's always best to plan so this is this is a year where things have changed so much that folks really need uh, to talk to their accountant to see how the new law will could be applied to their their taxes uh, coming up yeah that's very good advice and we'll continue our discussion here on asset protection today with attorney bill alexander in just a bit stick around you're listening to news radio 680 wptf You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find plenty more about Bill at WGALaw.com. And we are continuing our discussion here on taxes. And, Bill, we uh, wanted to shift a little bit to estate taxes. Well, I, I do because, you know, there are an awful lot of folks that wrongly think that attorneys like me, estate planners, only deal with estate tax and not income tax. And, and truthfully, uh, good estate planning involves income tax planning as well. Uh, in fact, more so now than ever. Uh, but I did want to mention the estate tax changes in the new tax law as well. Now, truthfully, um, most people can turn a deaf ear to this because uh, state taxes don't apply except to the very top uh, uh, top wealth in this country. Uh, and that was true before they changed the law because um, uh, in 2017, um, basically every person had a $5.6 million well, 5.49, it was supposed to move to 5.6 as of January 1 with the inflation factor. So 5.49, uh, 
million dollars as of last year. And so if you had an estate less than that, you didn't have to file an estate tax return and you had no estate tax liability. And for a married couple, that basically meant you could double that. Uh, now, there were some tricks in terms of doubling it. In other words, you could lose that real easily. Mm-hmm. But most families don't have $5.6 or $5.49 million, so it really wasn't an issue except for the top half of 1% in the country. Now, um, that exemption has been doubled based on the inflation rate of 5.6. So 11.2 is now the new exemption uh, for the next eight years. And that's per person. So a married couple, you're looking at $22.4 million in value. So in essence, they're just less and less folks that even have to worry about a state tax. Now, there is a trick. There, there's also a, um, a sort of a tricky situation in there, too. And that is that and a lot of folks don't even know about what's called generation skipping tax. And that's uh, what you might leave your grandchildren. Well, the bottom line is is that the generation skipping tax is not portable. So in other words, you're not going to get the $22 million exemption for generation skipping. Uh, but again, it doesn't apply to much, many of us, so it's not that big a deal. But because we're known for doing estate tax planning um, – Now, truthfully, folks should be doing planning without regard uh, to a state tax anyway. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's so many things that a family can do. And asset protection planning is one of the most important things. And you can do that for your family as part of your estate plan. And that, to me, is 10 times more important than the possibility of, of paying a state tax. Now, obviously, your plan should... Uh, make sure that your family doesn't have to pay a state tax. But at the same time, there's so many other things you can do with good planning that I think that's real important. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point because, uh, you know, it, the planning is essential to that. And if folks need a little bit of help, if you're in that situation, mm-hmm. head on over to WGALaw.com and Bill can help you out. Mm-hmm. All right, Bill. Uh, well, before we uh, started the program here, you said you wanted to talk about uh, some medical issues and how that can impact families and individuals. Well, truthfully, I wanted to talk about my brother, Steve. Um, Steve had a stroke this week. And fortunately, well, you know, it's the kind of thing as life happens. Yeah. And um, some folks will know that I'm my brother's trustee and caregiver to some limited degree. Um, uh, his trustee all the time. I'm also his health care agent and his financial agent as well. But um, I, I think uh, it's the kind of thing where, um, you know, truthfully, I've been through it with my brother, with my mom as well. And so I real, have a true sense of empathy when it comes to my clients that are dealing in medical crisis, which most families have to deal with. Um, you know, my brother's 67, uh, but um, and he's fared fairly well until this past fall. Um, I even and that's true, even though that he suffered a very serious um, accident uh, Easter of 1973. Uh, he was run over on the Interstate 95, 
and uh, was unconscious for six and a half weeks. Basically, every bone in his body was broken, and the fact that he lived was a miracle. Um, uh, and the fact that he lived okay was an even greater miracle. Uh, truthfully, if he had not just come back from deep-sea diving school out in California <laughs> and had not been a gymnast at Carolina, uh, uh, where his strength was just unbelievable. I mean, his arms were as big as my legs <laughs> and, and uh, just a, 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 a quite an athlete before he was injured. Well, the bottom line is he went through years of rehab. Um, you know, my mother basically cared for him right back. He had to learn everything again. Um, but it wasn't. It was a real unusual thing. He had traumatic brain injury, um, and he forgot what he learned as a, a child. Wow. So what he learned growing up, you know, how to say please and thank you, how to hold a fork, all of those things he had to relearn. But he remembered his adult memory. So he remembered everything he did in college and his long-term memory is good. And for 45 years or more, he's, his uh, short-term memory has been bad. But he has uh, traumatic brain injury, dementia, not Alzheimer's. So his dementia has not been progressive. So my biggest concern when Steve had a stroke this week was, what's his mind going to be like? You know, how serious was it? And fortunately for me and for him, uh, it was a light stroke. Uh, he lost use of his arm, right arm for a while. Um, but when I reached him about an hour and a half after he went to the hospital, he, he was doing, um, uh, pretty good. I mean, but basically his mind seemed to be about the same. I couldn't tell any real difference. And while I was there, he got movement in his arm back. So he, you know, like I said, light stroke, they couldn't find any, uh, serious blockage. He's still in the hospital. But, um, and, you know, thank the Lord, you know, Rex Hospital is wonderful. They just took great care of him at Rex. And I can't say enough about how good they've been to my brother there. So I'll do a shout out to Rex for how good they are over there. (laughs) But the bottom line is, is that this is just goes to show. Um, now the, the other thing that happened to Steve that has really affected him is last fall he had a very bad virus and I know how bad it was because he gave it to me and it took me two months to get over it but he didn't completely get over it it infected his heart and he ended up with congestive heart failure mm-hmm. so he's certainly on the downhill track but that uh, basically just means uh, we've had to do a far more in terms of trying to take care of him and the bottom line is, is that nobody can predict when these kinds of bad things happen. And it, when it happens to a loved one, it happens to everybody in the family. I mean, it's right. not, um, it, it, you know, it affects everybody. And families uh, sometimes even have to change their lives around taking care of a loved one. Now, more often than not, it's a spouse as opposed to a sibling uh, who's basically doing most most things. Uh, but, you know, it's the kind of thing where this all ties in to the kind of work that I do anyway. When um, my parents uh, created uh, an irrevocable trust for my brother way back when, and when my mother died, uh, she basically funded to a great degree uh, that 
that trust. So Steve did not inherit any property from my parents um, directly. In other words, it was all went into a trust for his benefit. So he got his share of, of uh, his one-fourth share. There were four children. Um, but it all went into an irrevocable trust uh, that is asset protected, doesn't count uh, as it relates to um, – if, now my brother's not on Medicaid, even though I'm in. You know, I know all about Medicaid, but he's not in a nursing home yet. He he, quite frankly, could be right now, but I'm trying to keep him out. Um, and um, you know, I. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that I have a trust that's totally not countable for Medicaid. There was no look back period for it, even though it's been many many years at this point. Um, and so the fa- the what I want folks to know is that these kinds of trusts can be created, particularly when you anticipate that a person is will need care in in the future. And I have no doubt that uh, there will come a time when I, you know home care will not be sufficient to uh, take care of my brother. In fact, that's one of the things I have to worry about right now. So. I'm in crisis. <laughs> uh, I mean, I talk about, you know, crisis planning all the time, but but the bottom line is, uh, the, why is there a crisis? Well, the crisis is, I don't know if this, uh, you know, I know that my brother has lost a lot of strength. Uh, he's already lost strength in his legs, and now he's losing strength in his arms. So, uh, he's been falling out of bed uh, a bunch and can't get back up, and that's not good, you know. So the question is, will this truck affect him to where he can no longer get up in terms of even with support, you know, because he may be bedridden at this point, and I don't know yet. Won't know until he gets out of the hospital, gets out of rehab. So there's a lot of unknowns as it relates. And the one thing that is a known are the financials. And that's where most families are in a real crisis because they don't really know the financials. I'm blessed because in taking care of my brother, I know how much money he has in the bank exactly. I know what we have in his trust. Uh, I, I know quite frankly, uh, that because I do this for a living, I know that if he goes to a nursing home, uh, he could be on Medicaid very quickly, um, it, it, you know, within a few weeks because I, I know how to shift his what little bit of property that he has in his own name around and protect it. You know, that's the other piece about crisis planning for medical issues is it's not just a matter of eligibility. That's obviously key, but it's also a matter of how do you protect the assets for the family, and that's a big part of it. But they're two separate questions, and there's some families that can get the first right, but they get the second part wrong. They can get eligibility, but then they lose it all in the end due to a state recovery. Uh, which is a part of Medicaid, but there are lawful ethical ways to make sure that property is protected and there is no estate recovery. Now, I'm going to go back one more time to the 2018 tax change because it's going to change things over the course of this year. 
you know, a lot of folks didn't pick it up. But Donald Trump was scheduled to sign the new tax bill the first part of January. But he changed his mind. You know, he got everybody together, and he actually signed it in the last week of December. What that does is it forces Congress in 2018, this year, to rectify their budget numbers. Well, they were hoping that he would sign it in January so they could kick that can to 2019 and would not have to do it during an election year. This is going to be an election year, you know. So <laughs> the bottom line is, guess what? They The only way they're, they're going to get there is through looking at the three biggies um, in terms of spending, and that would be Medicare, which is near and dear to all seniors, it's uh, Social Security, again, near and dear to all seniors, and Medicaid, which is, even though it's a much bigger program than for seniors, in fact, seniors only get about 17% of the Medicaid budget, Medicaid is the safety net for seniors as well, and that's the third um, leg of the chair that Congress uh, may very well have to go after this year in order to adjust the budget numbers due to the fact that this tax code is with borrowed money. Uh, that, that is something that all um, economists agree on, that, um, that, uh, that Congress is, is way off on its numbers. And it has been for years. It's just worse now because this, this, uh, the new tax code aggravates our debt and our deficit in a big way. And I'm not trying to say that from a, a social perspective. I'm just saying it's real. We have to deal with it, and it will have effects. Uh, but the bottom line is, is the fact that uh, Congress is going to have to look at some really tough decisions that will, in my opinion, affect how Medicaid is paid for by the federal government in future years. Yeah, that's something that we all need to pay attention to. And Bill, uh, our, our hearts go out to you and your brother this week. Uh, thank you for sharing that story. And uh, we hope uh, the, the best for Steve and for a, a swift recovery. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Good Saturday morning to you. I am Jason Kong. He is Bill Alexander. And Bill, uh, we were talking last segment about uh, your, your medical situation with your brother, and uh, you actually said the words, "I'm I'm in a in a medical crisis," and you know that's something that a lot of people uh, will eventually have to deal with. Well, no, no question about it. In fact, uh, for for a married couple over sixty five, uh, the the probability of a healthcare crisis, a long term care crisis, is actually as high as eighty percent. Mm -hmm. So it is likely that one of the two will actually be in a crisis, a medical crisis, and of course the spouse is also in a financial crisis in terms of how to how do we take care of things. Okay, so. I thought it would be instructive if I talked to people. Uh, uh, and okay, so now you're in the same situation I'm in. You're in a medical crisis. So what do we do? How do we, you know, what are the first things we do? What do we do next? How do we deal with it? Well, here's here's one secret that's extremely important to families. 
and the and most seniors, even those who've gone to an attorney, have their estate planning they think done, most seniors do not have the right documents to deal with a crisis, a, a healthcare crisis like this. And now I'm not not talking about the health documents that people have because. Uh, people who've gone to an attorney and have their typically what they think is in order, they will have a health care power of attorney and they will have a, um, a, a directive um, uh, in North, well, what in some states call a living will mm-hmm. and in North Carolina it's called an advanced directive for natural death. And most people, and they should have, but and some people don't, that's something that we always look for, is a medical release that complies with the federal HIPAA law. Uh, and that helps to make your other documents work, your healthcare documents in particular, but it can also be a, important for your financial documents as well. Well, the bottom line is almost any healthcare documents will work. In North Carolina, if you have old ones, they'll work. If you have new ones, they'll work. If you don't have a HIPAA or medical release, they'll probably work anyway. So I've, I've rarely, if ever, un- unless it just wasn't executed properly or somebody tried to pull something down online, then they didn't do it right. You know those kinds of things. In almost every instance, the healthcare documents work. However. In almost every instance, their financial, general, durable power of attorney, sometimes called a business power of attorney, sometimes called a financial power of attorney, almost always called a general durable power of attorney, 99% of the time they are deficient. In other words, they don't work well for asset protection planning, which is what you need in a crisis. Mm-hmm. Because you got to protect your assets, you got to protect your house, you got to protect your farm, you got to protect your savings and your investments and your retirement accounts and your life insurance and any other kind of asset that you have. And the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes people can get sick and they're still lucid, they can still sign documents. But you never know when they're going to have a stroke. You never know when. The next day, they're not going to be capable of signing documents. So having the right kind of power of attorney in place for asset protection planning is extremely important. Now, here's what folks don't know. You generally don't get that from regular attorneys. In fact, you generally don't get that from even normal estate planning attorneys. Now, all elder law attorneys should also be estate planning attorneys, and they typically give documents that are a good bit different when it comes to the general durable power of attorney. Now, I should also mention this, because there's a brand new North Carolina statute on your power, on your general durable power of attorney. Uh, they basically changed the entire uh, reference uh, in the uh, general statutes. In other words, they abolished the old and created a new section uh, for your power of attorney. They actually expanded uh, uh, things in the power of attorney. But I've also heard uh, of attorneys basically saying, oh, there's a new law. You need a new power of attorney. 
And that's not the reason that anybody needs a new power of attorney. If you, for instance, if if we did a power of attorney for a client, one of ours, Mm -hmm. an expanded one that can be used for asset protection, all of those old powers of attorney are grandfathered. They can still be used. You don't need a new one. Now, people need a new power of attorney if they have what we call a short-form power of attorney or one that's not designed for asset protection, but it's not because of the new statute. Uh, yes, we did change our form a little bit in terms of uh, uh, the, the new statute, but it was mostly uh, changing uh, the reference in our <laughs> power of attorney to the new uh, statutory uh, article, not because the language changed very much in our, our document. But the old documents are good. They're grandfathered. So you don't have to run out and get a new one simply because there's a new statute. But you may want to have it reviewed because it won't work for asset protection planning, and that's what people need in a long-term care crisis. Now, I had my brother do a power of attorney uh, years ago, uh, which is still good and still effective, and I don't need to go back and get him to sign a new one. Um, so, um, you know, it, it probably – now, I could have him sign a new one simply because the ones I do now are better than the ones I did 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I've gotten better. I'm a better lawyer than I was 10 years ago. Um, uh, but th- effectively what I did even 10 years ago is, is more than enough to take care of my brother's situation. But that's not true for most seniors out there. And then the will, the last will and testament, is another document that most seniors, again, don't get right. Almost everybody has what we call a sweetheart will. In other words, I leave everything to my spouse and then equally to my children. That's, that's at least the starting point for most families. And that's probably not what the majority, particularly of older seniors, should have. The ones who are really worried about long-term care issues, how to get government assistance, how to protect their assets. What we like for those clients is what we call a modified sweetheart will. In other words, instead of leaving assets directly to the spouse, it leaves everything in trust for the benefit of the spouse. Very different, but works extremely well. Now, I have to go back to something I've mentioned many times before, and that is if you have this new kind of concept will that we uh, provide our clients, then you have to change how you own your property. You know, title affects your planning. Uh, and that's the other place that most families get wrong. They think, oh, if I have the documents, they'll work. They won't work unless you change the title to your property, that change the title to your house, change the title to your savings account, your bank accounts, your beneficiary designations for your retirement accounts, your life insurance, your annuities, and, and those kind of things. Uh, you got to change your title if you want your planning to work. If, if you have anything other than a simple I love you uh, plan, which most seniors should not have anymore, mm-hmm. uh, then you have to change title to your property. And most lawyers don't take you there. That's something that's real important to us because that's a big part of asset protection planning. 
Yep. And if you need help with that, head on over to WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. And go ahead and get a hold of Bill and see if uh, your documents are up to snuff or if you need to make some changes. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. And Bill, we are, uh, we've covered a lot of topics so far today. And well, we're, we're, I want to get right back into to this because, okay, now we have the right documents in place. What's the next thing we have to do? Well, then it all depends on what level of care our loved one requires. Now, that really tells us what type of game plan that we have to look for. If, if we have a war period veteran or the, the person is the spouse or the widow of a war period veteran, then we can look at VA benefits. If they need nursing facility care, then we would probably look at Medicaid. That's the, that's the solution for 99% of the folks who need uh, nursing care. If there's a safe environment at home but they need nursing care, then we can look at the PACE Medicaid program, which works for them. Um, if they are military retirees and have uh, TRICARE for life, uh, and both spouses have that for our retirees, um, then that may have a solution for them. It may not. It depends on their circumstances. So uh, it all depends on that particular family and what the financial needs are and what the medical needs are. And of course, it's the doctors who basically uh, tell you what uh, part of your plan will will be. The financial part and the asset protection part, that's what we do, and we do really well. But it's more complicated than people realize, and, and it depends entirely on what level of care your loved one needs. That's the key to basically which direction you go in your planning. Um, so there we are. Very good. And again, if you're uh, in, uh, in dealing with a healthcare crisis and you need some help, head on over to WGALaw.com and uh, Bill's the guy. He knows how to navigate those waters. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him at WGALaw.com. You can also find him tomorrow morning on the CW22 right on your television there at 8 o'clock in the morning with his TV show, Money Secrets. And, Bill, this is another great way for folks to get some money tips from you. Sure, and for folks in crisis to come to our seminars. Our monthly seminars are free and, and very, very helpful. Sort of tries to help you get through those complexities. Absolutely. That's a valuable resource, and uh, that'll be uh, next one will be February 14th. It'll be a Valentine's Day special, I guess, uh, for you, Bill. And folks can find more information about that at WGALaw.com. You can also tune in to Asset Protection today every Saturday morning at 11 because we talk about those seminars very frequently. And uh, we hope to see you there if you are in a situation and you do need to sign up. Again, that's a, a free chance for you to get some great information from Bill. We are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great day.